0: Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 16. And I want to read a few verses uh, from Matthew 16. Uh, Let's start at verse 13. It's Matthew 16, verse 13. And it says, When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you're the John the Baptist, some say Elias, or others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I've entitled my message today, Who Do You Say That I Am? Who Do You Say That I Am? That's, that's the title of my message today, as you saw earlier on the screen. You know, but if we, read, if we read the context that this verse came from, if we go back to Matthew 15, and we read the context, it says that Jesus was in his travels, going around, and he came to this mountain. And when he came to the mountain, uh, he sat down, and in verse 30, it says, Great multitudes came unto him, and they had with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others. And they cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So he's, to get, to get an idea of the context, he's traveling around, he's doing his ministry. He gets to this mountain, he climbs up a little ways, he sits down. And all these great multitudes, if we, if we keep reading, it says, 4,000 men plus women and children. It says how many people were there. So we don't know exactly how many people, but for over 4,000 people were, came, came unto him, and they brought everyone who was sick. They brought all, all the lame, all the dumb, all the blind, all, and just, and just the maimed, you know, and just, just everyone who was sick, they brought, they brought them unto Jesus, and they cast them at his feet, and he healed them. He healed them all. And it, it took, as he's healing them, if you, if, you, if you read, I'm not going to read the whole, the whole section, but I'm just going to kind of paraphrase, but, you know, it took him three days, three days to heal, because the next thing it says is that he had compassion on them, because they had been with him now for three days, and had not eaten, so to me, that says that they spent, he spent three days praying over the sick, healing the sick, as all these, I mean, it's over 4,000 people, that's a lot of people to pray for, Three days of nonstop stop laying on hands, day and night, praying, seeing healing happen, seeing miracles happen. So after this, you can imagine, he's pretty tired. And yet, even though he's tired, he's been doing this for three days now, he sees them, he has compassion on them, he says, what are we going to do? They've been with me now for three days, I don't want to send them away hungry, what do we have that we, can, that we can give them to eat? And they say, well, we don't have much, all we have is, is seven fish and a few loaves of bread. So... After spending three days of just constant healing, he performs a great miracle of, of turning seven fish and, two, and a few loaves of bread into enough food to feed at least 4,000 men plus women and children. And not only did he have enough, but they, had, they, they took up seven baskets full afterwards. So he, so you can just imagine you know, what that would have been like, just seeing amazing healing happen, um, you know, people who without limbs, their limbs grow back. People who were blind could now see. People who couldn't talk, now they can talk, you know, and, and they didn't have to learn to talk slowly like a baby. No, they could just speak like complete sentences and, and they were talking perfectly. Such amazing things. Not, and then after that, not only you know, they all got fed off seven fish and four or a few loaves of bread, such amazing miracles happened. And then he he sent them on their way and, and he continued his journey. And as they're continuing the journey, that's where we come into, you know, Matthew 16. And it says, you know, he asked his disciples, you know, who do, who do men say that I am? Well, how would they know? How would they know um, what people thought of Jesus? You know, he's kind of taking like, you could call it like he's taking a popularity vote or a poll, you know. Like, what do, what do people think of me? What do, they, what do people say about me out there? Well, how would, how would they know that? Probably because when he, when he fed the 4,000, after he healed them for three days and he fed these 4,000 men and women and children, he told them all to sit down and he, and he, would, he took the bread it says and, and he, he gave thanks, he blessed it and he gave it to the disciples and so the disciples went around and they were giving it to the people. They were giving the food to the people. So just again, just imagine 4,000 men plus women and children, 4,000 plus people sitting this huge, huge multitude of people sitting there, and along come the disciples. Here comes, you know, here comes Peter with his fish, and he's passing out the fish. He's passing out the, you know, for everybody. And then John's right behind him, and he's passing out bread, you know, and he's, he's just giving them food, right? And then, you know, a few steps back, there's Judas with the offering bucket, right? Like, you know, come on, people. This, you know, it takes money to for this ministry. He's going out trying to collect money, right? Just kidding. He doesn't say that, but I'm just imagining what Judas would have done. But, uh, uh, you know, they're going around and they're passing out the food. Well, what do you think these people who had just spent three days seeing Jesus heal all kinds of, of sicknesses and diseases and then multiplying, as, as he's multiplying this food, because they all know they're hungry and they haven't eaten anything in three days and they didn't bring food with, but yet here's food coming and they're all, you know, so somewhere the food's coming from, so he's multiplying the food. So what are they talking about? Wow. While they're getting their food, while the disciples are going on getting their food, you know, do you think this this guy who was blind and now he can see? He says, "Oh, look at that weather! Oh, it's going to storm, man! It's been crazy these last few days, man! This weather's just is crazy, so up and down, you know." Um, or the guy who was, you know, who had uh, um, was was lame from birth, he couldn't walk, and now he can walk, and says, "Man, these the government, the taxes is crazy. How much taxes we got to pay?" You know, like, like, you know, they're talking about politics or, you know, or maybe they're talking about sports, you know. They're talking about their, their favorite sports team. They're talking about the Raptors or the Maple Leafs or something, right? I mean, no, no, right? Like, if you just spend three days seeing God heal or seeing Jesus heal all these people, you know, he's supernaturally feeding you, you're going to be sitting there thinking, man, how is this possible, who, who could do something like this? Because you've got to remember, up, up to this point, no one in the history of the Bible had ever seen so many miracles, such great healing happen. People got healed, don't get me wrong. People got healed, people got raised from the dead, but, but nothing to this extent, nothing to this magnitude. And so they're, and so they're sitting there like wondering, how is this possible? Who could do something like this? Who can heal like this? Who can heal every sickness, every disease? And so they were, they were discussing among themselves, who could this possibly be? Who could this possibly be? And what they concluded, what they concluded, as we see in verse 14, it says, some thought, well, maybe he's John the Baptist, you know, like, John the Baptist had started his ministry just a few months before Jesus, and, and uh, you know, he shortly after Jesus came onto the scene, uh, he got beheaded. So they thought, maybe he's John the Baptist, maybe he's, maybe John didn't really get beheaded, maybe he actually, you know, that was someone else that they killed, and this is really John the Baptist going around and still, still, you know, ministering today. And others said, well, no, I don't think it's John the Baptist, and I think, I think it's Elijah, you know, Elijah saw some great miracles happen, maybe this is Elijah come back from the dead, or or Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets, you know. And so they were debating among themselves, discussing, who could this Jesus be? Who could he really be that he could do such things like this? You know, in, in today's culture, we face a lot of the same things. If you, if you talk to people out there, if, we, if, you know, in your workplace, in the supermarket, you turn on the TV, turn on the radio, whatever, I mean, you're going you're gonna to hear many different theories of who Jesus is. There's a lot of different theories out there. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about who he is. Um, you know, some people believe he was just a great prophet he was, he was a prophet, same as, as one of the other prophets, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was a prophet, but he wasn't, he wasn't God, he, he wasn't uh, the Son of God, as he, as he said he was. Some, some believe he was human, and a, just, just a really great example for us on how to live, you know, he, he lived really a really holy life, but again, he wasn't divine, he wasn't God, and so he was just an example for us on how to live holy, and he had great teachings and great messages, and He was just someone that we should kind of look up to as a role model. Um, Other people believe he's made up, that he never existed. People think that he was just concocted by the Christian church in order to control the people, you know, just just to keep them ignorant, keep them controlled. People don't believe that he never even was real. He was never real. And, you know, as we go around, we're going to have to, we're going to face some of these same questions. We're going to face some of these same theories in, in our lives. So that's why I want to ask, I want to ask you today, who is, who is Jesus to you? Who do you say that he is? Because as these disciples were going around feeding the people, they would have, you know, they would have heard what they were people, these people were saying, and, I'm, and I bet you a lot of it made sense. A lot of the arguments that they used and, and the scriptures they would have referred to and everything would have made sense. And they, and they could very easily have said, yeah, you know, that, that actually, that could be. Maybe Jesus is, is Elijah come back from the dead, or maybe he is Jeremiah, or maybe he is, you know, this great prophet. And, and a lot of it could have made sense to them. And so as we saw there, as we saw, you know, so Jesus asked them, who do people say that, we, that, that I am? And they said, you know, these things. And they said, well, who do you say that I am? See, because they had relationship with Jesus. They had, they had spent years with him at this point a few years already and and so they've been with him and so they knew him personally they knew him intimately and he says okay but who do you say that I am and so that's what I want to submit to you today who do you say that Jesus is because it's not good enough that for us just to know him through the world we need to know him we have to have our own relationship with him who who here uh, who here uses facebook probably most people, I use Facebook, I'm on Facebook, not very often, but I'm on there. Uh, so if, you, if you're on Facebook, have you ever heard of what they call the degrees of separation? Has anyone ever heard of this? No? Not Yes? One or two maybe? Okay. So apparently what the degrees of separation is, uh, Facebook did this study, and, and basically they, they wanted to see how many connections you would have um, from one person to the next. So, so for example, let's say... For me personally, I wanted to connect with uh, the Prime Minister of Canada. They would say, "How many connections would it take before I could connect to the Prime Minister of Canada?" So it's kind of a friend of a friend of a friend, of, you know, kind of a thing, right? How many friends of friends would you need to go through to before you could connect to this person, right? And so what they discovered actually was that that the average the average was four through a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend you could connect to anybody in the world. The average was four. Now, some may be less, some more. So, um, in this example, this is actually, this is actually a, a true example. My, my brother is, is dating a woman who used to work for the MP of Portage Lisgar. And Portage Lisgar is, is uh, the area that covers Winkler, where I, where I was uh, raised in southern Manitoba there. so. Uh, She used to work for the MP of Portage Lisgar, and as the MP, she obviously would have connection to the Prime Minister of Canada, right? She's a member of Parliament, so she would have connection. So, in this example, if I wanted to connect to the Prime Minister of Canada, I could go to my brother's Facebook page, right? So that's one degree of separation. And then through his Facebook page, I could find his girlfriend and go into her Facebook page. And then through hers, I can go into her old boss's, and find her old boss. And then once I'm in her old bosses, I could find the Prime Minister of Canada's. So it's four degrees of separation that I could find, I could actually connect myself with the Prime Minister of Canada. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? The thing is, a lot of, a lot of us today, a lot of Christians today, we try to do the same thing with Jesus. We try to do this, we, we don't have a personal, intimate relationship with him but we know somebody who does. Or, you know, we know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who does. So we try to apply the same principle that we have, like, through Facebook. We try to apply that to our relationship with Jesus. You know, but in John chapter 14, and in verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. The only way to Jesus, is, or to the Father, is through Jesus. And so, you know, as we're, as we're going around and we think, well, you know, my, my parents, my mom or my dad, or maybe both of them, they were really fanatical believers, so even though I might have, I might not have my own personal relationship with Jesus, you know, they did. So I, I'm covered because I can, I can just connect to Jesus through my parents, right? Or, or maybe my spouse. Maybe maybe our spouse is really on fire for God, and so we think, you know, okay, it's, I don't really need to have a relationship because my spouse, you know, does, so I'm, I'm good that way. Or, or maybe we think, you know, well I, I come to Willowdale Community Christian Assembly, you know, the best church in Canada, and so therefore, you know, if I come to this church, I, I'm just covered. Pastor Paul is so amazing, you know, I'm, I'm just covered through him. Amen, right? Come on. Got to throw that in there a little bit, otherwise he won't invite me back. You know, I got to just kind of <laughs> feed his ego a little bit, right? <laughs> but uh, anyways, we, you know, we try, we kind of, sometimes we think that we're, because we know somebody who knows somebody who knows Jesus, we're, we're okay. We don't need to have our own relationship, right? So it's like we're trying to get the friend and family discount or the employee discount without actually being a friend or family or an employee at at the at the uh, at the place of business. You know, actually being an employee at the at the of the merchant. You know, we're trying to get the same discount without actually being connected. And you might think, well, what's wrong with that? Like, why why can I not just just go through my pastor or, or my wife or my husband or my parents? Like, why is that why is that not sufficient? Well, in Acts chapter nineteen it gives us an example of people who had this same mindset, this same thought. And as we read it here, so we're going to read from uh, verse 13 to 16. Yep, it's up there. It says, certain of the, of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And they were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was, was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So it's a little bit wordy, if you wanna put it that way, in, in the King James sometimes, I'm a, I'm a King James man, I'm, I'm kinda of old school that way. So this is uh, King James they have on the screen I think. So it's a little bit wordy, but basically what it's saying here is that there were people going around And and trying to cast out evil spirits through the name of the Lord Jesus, and it gave an example. It said there were, for example, there were these seven brothers who were all um, you know sons of this this Sceva who was the chief of priests at the time. So now, if if you're the son of the chief priest, you're already going to think you know I got some clout, I got some authority, I got some power because my father is a chief priest. So therefore, I mean, just, just that fact alone, I'm already better than you, I'm holier than you, just because my, of my father, right? So they're, they're going to be walking around thinking that, well, you know, through my, through my father here, I have, I have a, a greater authority, I have a greater power than anybody else. Because they had to connect because of their father. And then they, but then, they would go around and they would, and they would try to cast out these evil spirits. And what they would say is, we command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches about. See, they didn't know Jesus themselves. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus themselves. They just heard Paul talk about Jesus, and they saw that when Paul would, would cast out demons in the name of Jesus, that it worked. When Paul would lay hands on the sick and, and he saw them healed, you know, it would work. And so they said, oh, okay, so, so uh, all you have to do is, is say in the name of Jesus and it's going to work. So okay, great, you know. And so they went going around doing this, you know, thinking that, well, you know, Jesus, whom Paul preaches about, that, that's all I need to know. And so they were doing this, but then what happened was, when they tried this on this one man, the, the evil spirit inside, them, inside him said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you guys? And so he, they had no, they had no actual authority over this evil spirit, because they themselves did not know Jesus their, their connection as sons of the chief priest didn't ma- mean anything. You know, the fact that, that Paul preached about Jesus didn't mean anything. They themselves did not have a connection, have a relationship. And so when, when uh, they tried to do this in the name of Jesus, the, the evil spirit, the man whom the evil spirit was in, he just attacked them and he, and he tore off their clothes and he beat them up and they ran out of their, you know, like with their tail between their legs, ran out of their naked and ashamed, Right? And that's the same thing for us today. Sometimes, you know, we don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe our relationship with Jesus is very, very minimal. We kind of, we, we know of him, but we don't know him. And so, well, then we hear someone else give an awesome testimony about how they were healed, or how God, God, you know, provided for them, or they had this great breakthrough in their life, or the great victory in their life. And so we get all fired up and we're all excited and like, oh, awesome, that's great, you know. And, and they kind of share how, how they got this, this healing or this breakthrough. And so then we go and we try to do it the exact same way they did, thinking it's going to work. And then it doesn't. And they're kind of like, well, why not? Why is it not working? Why did it not work? It worked for them. Why is it not working for me? But it's because we don't have that same relationship with Jesus we don't have that same... Now, Jesus wants to the, do the same for you. He wants to heal you. He wants to bless you. He wants to provide. He wants to ha- give you breakthrough. But, you know, we haven't spent the time that the other person had, you know, in his word, studying, praying, talking to him, and, and built that relationship the same way, and gotten into the presence of God through our relationship with Jesus, as, as he was saying. And, and, like, when we get into the presence of God, I mean, miracles happen. You can't you can't help yourself from being healed. You can't stop revelation from coming. You can't. I mean, you get into the presence of God, and all your cares, all your worries, all your fears just vanish. You know, and all you feel is peace and the love of God. And you and you're not worried about anything anymore because you know God's got it handled. God's got it in control, and so you're not worried about anything. But yet, you know, the, we don't do that. We we just want to get we want to get the result without. Without having the relationship, we're trying to we're trying to do the friend of a friend of a friend thing, or we're trying to get that you know friend and family discount without actually being a friend or family member, right? Like we're, and again, this is, it just it, it's not good enough. It's not good. we, we all need to have our own personal relationship with Jesus. John three three, Jesus said, "Verily, verily, I am the way, or I." Uh, sorry, John 3, 3. Uh, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, again, he's saying it doesn't matter who you're the, the child of. It doesn't matter who your spouse is. It doesn't matter who your pastor is. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Um, turn with go a few verses uh, further to John 3, chapter 16. John three sixteen, this is probably the first verse I ever memorized as a child. That when if you if you went through Sunday school, if you went through ten years of Sunday school, I mean I don't think you can come out of Sunday school not knowing John three sixteen. Right? This is just, this is just like the the very first thing you always learn. And so we so we're probably all familiar with the verse. And if you're not, that's fine. But but the verse says, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that who, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But have everlasting life, you know. And I, I used to I, I used to recite this and and you know be all proud of myself for God so loved the world. And you you know, and you would just do this as a kid, right? And you're whatever. Not knowing anything but what it means, but you know, we we would we would do this, we would say this, right? And so, but he, but basically he's saying this is this is why God sent Jesus into the world. This is this is the purpose that he says, and says the purpose is for everlasting life. So the question would be, well, what is everlasting life? Well, thankfully, the Bible gives us the answer. And so if we, in the same book, the book of John, if we just go a few chapters further into John chapter 17, and in verse 3, it says, and this is life eternal, or this is everlasting life. This is now, uh, John is telling us what everlasting life is. He says, this is everlasting life, that they might know thee, The only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. This is what everlasting life is all about. Knowing God and his son, Jesus Christ, who he sent. Or you could say, to have, instead of saying knowing, you could say to have relationship. A personal, intimate relationship with God and Jesus, the Messiah, his son, who he sent. So, if we take that definition of everlasting life that that John gives us here, and we go back to John chapter 3, verse 16, and we plug that in there, then we get, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent, or... But that they should not perish, but have relationship with the only true God, and Jesus the Messiah, His Son, who He sent for us. This is this is the meaning of life, <laughs> right here. This is this is the reason why we exist. You know, so many people are out there today trying to try, They're trying to figure out what the purpose of life is. Why am I here? What you know? What's this all about? What's you know? And, and it's I don't know if you ever seen the movie. Um, oh, what's it called now? Uh, the Stone Age cartoon movie. No, not Flintstones. It's a uh, newer one. It's newer than that. The um no, not Ice Age. Okay, I can't think of it right now. But anyways, anyways, I love I love animated movies, so I should know it. But I can't think of it right now. Anyways, um, uh, it's uh, in this movie. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a family and there's a young girl. Her name's Eep, and uh, uh, she. She um, is, is like trying to figure out, and you know, why, why am I here? What's life about, right? And this is this is the whole that's what they're trying to in this movie. Her whole quest is trying to figure out what the purpose of life is, you know. And and but the thing is, it's it's a cartoon movie, but the truth is, we all wonder that. We wonder, what is the meaning of life? Why are we here? What, why, why do I even exist? You know, well, this is the answer. This is the answer. People are trying to find meaning through their possessions and what they own. They're trying to find meaning through their experiences. They're trying to find meaning through, you know, fame and fortune. All these kind of things. But it always comes out lacking. It always comes out not satisfying. It doesn't fulfill them. Well, this is the actual answer why we exist. To have relationship with God and relationship with his son, Jesus. That's, that's why we exist that's the meaning that's the meaning of life so again who do you say that jesus is going back to how, I, how what i started about there you know we're going to we're going to in this world we're going to hear a lot of very convincing very persuasive arguments on who jesus is and and uh, whether he's real or not whether he was actually the son of god whether he is actually a part of the trinity as, as God himself, you know, like, and, and you're going to have all these arguments and all these questions, and, and if you listen, I mean, they're going to be, they're going to sound good. They're going to sound very persuasive. And if you only, if we only know Jesus through what our parents told us, or if we only know Jesus through what the pastor says or through what our spouse says or someone we know, if we only have a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend relationship with Jesus, then we're not going to be able to To stand, as Peter did here, if we go back right to the beginning, to Matthew 16. And in verse 16, where where, uh, Peter answered when he said, when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You know, we're not going to be able to have that same answer because we don't know him. We don't have that same relationship. As I said, these disciples, they had traveled with Jesus now for years. They had a close, personal relationship. Intimate relation; they knew him, you know. They, they knew him inside and out. You know, they 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 just knew him very very personally, as as like a best friend, as a, as a really someone. You know, they really just close to you. And and you know, if but if you just have that friend of a friend relationship, you know, you can't see the same answer. And, and Jesus even said here to, to Peter, he says, "Blessed art thou, Simon Barjonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven." See. You can't logic and reason your way into understanding that Jesus is a son of God, that he is God made flesh. We can't logically deduce that through our own flesh. But if we are willing to let God show us who Jesus is, if we're willing to let the Father show us that he, how, how to know Jesus, then we will understand that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one that, was, that the, uh, we've been waiting for for thousands because Israelites had been, had been predestined since before the world began, that he is the son of the living God. If we allow God to show us... So, obviously the question then becomes, well, how do you have relationship with with God? How do, you, how do you have relationship with Jesus? This is what life is all about. This is the reason why he came. How do we have relationship with, with him? Well, it's really not that difficult. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same as you have relationship with anybody else. Genesis 1 says that, you know, we were made in the image and likeness of God. So, so uh, you know, the same way that we have relationship with other people, the way we have relationship with with, uh, with Jesus, and, and what's the first thing you have to do to have a relationship with someone? You need, you need to meet them, right? I mean, if, if you haven't met me, if you've never actually met me and shook my hand and said, hi, my name is, is Sean, and, and I said, hi, my name's Peter, if you haven't met me, I mean, you can't have relationship with me, right? It doesn't work. So, so the very first thing we need to do is meet, meet Jesus, so in the in the you know the Christian vernacular we call that being born again, we call that we, that's that's the you know the born again experience, meeting Jesus, getting to know Him, as uh, as you read earlier in John three three right unless a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of heaven or as or John fourteen six you know he's, Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no man comes unto the Father but by me unless we get born again and meet Jesus make that first initial initial introduction. We can't get to God. We can't have relationship. So we need to be introduced, right? We need to meet Jesus. And then from there, once you meet the person, then what do you do? Then you spend time with the person, right? Once you meet them, now you spend time with the person. So, um, you know, I'll give you an example. Like, again, I'll give you the example of, of my wife and I. You know, we, we met here at church uh, a few couple years ago. And and we first you know we first had to meet in order to build a relationship. So we met here at church, and there was a there was a time where we didn't really talk to each other. We didn't know each other. We had met, but we didn't talk. So so we just you know I would see her you know in the church whatever she would see me. We didn't really talk to each other. And then and then we um, started hanging out with a group of friends. We all, we kind of joined the same group of friends, and so we started hanging out as as a group of friends. And and so we spent a, we spent there was a time where. I kind of got to know her a bit through, through just the friends that we had, the common friends. And as, I, as our relationship grew, we got to know each other more, uh, you know, we, we became friends, just the two of us, we became friends, and so we started hanging out together just ourselves as friends. We were just friends, we were hanging out, and as we did that, you know, we spent more time together, our relationship kept on building and growing, and then we started dating. Right? It's a progression. It grows. It builds, right? We, so we started dating, and then there was a time where we were dating. And after we dated for a while, we kept on, our relationship kept on growing and building. Well, then we got engaged, right? This is how it happens, you know, you get engaged. And then, and then we were engaged for a while, and I got to know her more. I got to know her, you know, she got to know me more. We spent more time together. Well, then we got married. And so now we're married. We've been married for, for three months now. Do you think just because that we're married, I know everything about my wife? No. (laughs) You know, does she know everything about me? No, right? We're still still learning. We're still building that relationship. We're still getting to know each other better. That's exactly how it is in our relationship with God. You know, you never reach a place where you just know him, everything about him. You'll you'll always be learning you'll always be growing but as you do as you spend time with him and you know talking to him or you spend time reading your bible or or coming to church or bible studies and listening to messages or or praying in tongues or whatever you know as you spend time doing this your relationship builds and it builds and it builds and you go from that initial introduction stage into the okay you know he's there but I don't really know him to the okay we're kind of like friends you know through church I kind of know god a bit and then you know okay well, now we're i actually know god a bit we're friends now i know god and and you go and you get and you just build and build until you know him and you and you know just that you're a son or daughter of the most living high god and you have this relationship with god where you just know who you are and you know who he is to you and and you can boldly say as as peter answered here you know you're the christ the son of the living god where you can boldly say that for yourself you know, and, and, and again, in, in the Word of God, in the Bible, in Romans 12 too, it calls this renewing your mind. Spending time renewing your mind, getting to know God. Uh, I'm going to give one more example, and then I'm to close. The so worship team, can you come up? Um, in September of last year, my, my sister, my youngest sister, she had her face, her first baby boy. She's so excited. This is my eleventh niece or nephew. He's my he's a nephew, but I mean my eleventh niece or nephew. I have eleven all together now. And uh so I've when we were back in Manitoba for Christmas, we were visiting my family and and Allison and I were there and, and uh we were at my my sister and brother-in-law's place and, and I had that was my it would have been my second time seeing my nephew. They came out for uh, with, with him for for our wedding, so I met him there for the first time, and now we're back in Manitoba, so it's my second time uh, seeing my nephew, right? So obviously, my, my relationship with my nephew, you know, it's pretty low. You know, I've only met him, seen him twice, so I, I really don't know him very well. He's, he might only be a few, he was only four months old at Christmas time, but I, really did, I still didn't know him very well. Um, but we're there, and I'm, we're, I'm fellowshipping with, you know, with, with my sister and brother-in-law, and... And so Allison and I are sitting there, we're sitting at the kitchen counter, and we're just talking to them, and, and uh, they're making dinner ready, and, you know, they're in the kitchen, they're making dinner ready, we're just, we're just chatting, and all of a sudden, boom, my sister takes off into the bedroom, and she comes back a moment later with, with my nephew, and we're kind of like, okay, you know, that was seemed unexpected, and, but see, she had heard my nephew crying. While I was sitting there, she was actually the farthest away from all of us, but but uh, she heard him crying. I was I was probably the closest one to, to the bedroom where he was. I didn't hear anything. I didn't know his voice. By only having met him twice, I didn't know his voice. I didn't know what he sounded like when he cried. I was listening to my brother talk, brother-in-law, sister talk. You know, Allison, we we're chatting. I wasn't listening for for the baby, right? So we, they like said. So our my relationship with him was pretty low. Even my brother-in-law, who who uh, um, is the father. You know, his relationship obviously better than mine, but even he didn't hear it. But my sister, you know, she had she had carried my nephew for nine months, right? She spends every day, all day with my nephew. She knows his voice to the point where where she can, we can be in a room like that chatting, and she can still hear it over all the noise, over all the other ruckus of the of the food frying and the and you know the cutting and whatever else they were doing, and us talking. She could hear his voice. She could distinguish it through all that ruckus and noise. She could distinguish his voice, and she took off to get him. Well, it's, it's the same with us. You know, as we spend time, as we spend time getting to know God and relationship with God. We get to know his voice. We get to know how he sounds. And even though things might be happening in our life, there could be problems, there could be, you know, we could be sick, there could be in pain, there could be financial distress, We could be. there's all this clutter, all this noise happening all around us. If we, get to, we can get to know the voice of our God to that level where no matter what's going on, we can hear him say, don't worry, I've got it. Don't worry, I'm here with you. Don't worry, it's going to work out. I love you. It's okay. You know we can hear God speak that to us, despite everything else going on. So we, I want to conclude with this, Pastor Paul. Can you come up? I want to conclude with this. You know we've probably all heard this saying before: um, give a man a fish, feed him for a day; teach a man how to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. We've probably heard this saying before, and and. What I've tried to do here today, I've tried to, to feed you spiritually. I've tried to give you some spiritual food and, and feed you spiritually. But if this is the extent of relationship that we have with Jesus, if, this is how, if all we know him is just through the speaker at church, then the next time we're in need of, of food, spiritual food, we have to go beg. We have to go beg Someone else, someone else for for food. We we become Christian bums. Is what we become. <laughs> you know, we we can't get it ourselves. We have to ask someone else for it. I don't want to leave you there today. I don't want to leave you as a Christian bum. You know, I want I want to teach you how to fish so that you can feed yourself. I want you to know Jesus and have a relationship with Him yourself. That you can that you can know him, that, that you can have relationship with him on your own. Amen.